0: Good morning, church. We serve an audience of one, and we worship an audience of one. We worship God because he is holy. We praise God for who he is and what he has done for us. And we give thanks to the Lord for he is good, and he is good all the time question what one word description the gospel bring to us when we repent and believe do keep that thought in mind this question will come up again what one word description the gospel bring when we repent and believe as you're aware, we entered Advent season last Sunday. And Advent is all about the coming and arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, perhaps, as you're aware, Advent is associated with four words that is constantly repeated in the Bible. And those four words are hope, faith, joy and peace. I remind you of those four words only one is mentioned at three very important events of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's life. That is His birth, His crucifixion, and His resurrection. At His crucifixion I bring to your attention John chapter 14, verse 29. A few hours before being nailed to the cross, Jesus' final words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's at Jesus' resurrection. I miss his crucifixion, excuse me. At his resurrection, if you recall, the disciple had abandoned Jesus as he was being crucified. Jesus came to them on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. That's John, chapter 20, verse 19. At his birth, Luke, chapter 2, verse 14. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, the host of angels appeared with him and praised God in these familiar words, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you was paying attention to that one word, at those major three events of Jesus' life, the one word is peace. You might ask yourself, why is peace so greatly emphasized at the three stages of Jesus' life? Peace is what the world needs it then, and peace is what the world needs today. And I also remind you that Scripture placed a high premium on peace. It is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. In fact, by the hymn that we sung this morning were all about peace. And I'm more than sure many of your Christmas cards that you will receive will also have a message of peace. So the question then arises, did Jesus come to earth to bring peace? That is the question I want to look at with you this morning. I also remind you the most powerful resource we have in communion with God is prayer. And I ask you this morning to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. And Lord, you know what our hearts need, and you know that we need the message of peace. Just as the Jews did in the first century, we live in a different day and age. We live in a different time and place. We live in a very different circumstances, but we need this message just as much as they did. Thank you, O Father, for writing it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for preserving it in all ages so that the doctrine of Christ and of grace has come down to us and sound completely. Now, Father, O oh God, will you give us hearing ears to listen to the word read and proclaimed by your Spirit? And Lord, help us to apply it to our hearts in the specific ways that we need it. And grant to us, O oh God, that we may believe it and hear it in Jesus' name. And all God people say, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And for the sake of time, I will probably just read verses 10 through 14. So if you will stand with me as I read uh, Luke 10 through 14. And as you're standing and looking for that, there's nothing magical about us standing. I ask you to stand for the simple reason that this word is not only for you, but this word is for me as well. And I also ask you to stand in support of me as well. We do stand for secular events, so what better reason to stand for the hearing of the Word of God? So hear the Word of God as recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Who is Christ the Lord? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The grass withered, the flowers faded. But the word of our God stands forever. You may be seated. Now, there are inner conflicts throughout the world, people struggling with doubt, fear, and uncertainties. They are in need of inner peace. Also, there are interpersonal conflicts where people struggle against other people family conflicts, conflicts with coworkers, and sometimes even conflicts with strangers. There are international conflicts. Conflicts rage around the globe, and war is nothing new. There is a constant threat of international terrorism. The Middle East, the very place of Christ's birth, is one of the least peaceful of all places in the world. Uh, Most people recognize a need for inner peace, for interpersonal peace, and international peace. But there is one kind of peace that rarely gets a second thought. And yet, this is our most pressing need today. What kind of peace did we receive from Jesus' first advent? And as I said earlier, this is the question before us this morning. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brought to the world three kinds of peace. That is what I'm calling upward peace, inward peace, and outward peace. Those are the three peace that Jesus brought to mankind, his first advent. So the first relationship where God wants us to enjoy his peace is in our relationship with him. And that, as I said, being redundant, and you're probably going to hear this a lot, upward peace with God. And you have heard peace with God, and that is upward peace. The most basic need we have is peace with God, and this is our foundational pursuit. Look with me at Luke chapter two, verse ten and eleven. And these two verses I'm going to refer to over and over. And by the time we finish, you probably would know those verses by heart. Now, notice in Luke chapter two, verses ten and eleven. The angel announced that this baby is the Savior. That's very important. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For until you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Now the angel is announcing the birth of the only one who can deliver the Jews and us from the terrible bondage of sin and reconcile us to God in perfect peace. In fact about it, the angel said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will be the savior of the world, of the people from their sin." Only God can forgive sin against God. Listen to the words in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is the biblical act of believing. We have peace with God through our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That is what I am referring to as upward peace. Peace with God. Thank you, Lord. In this particular peace, I remind you, with God is objective. Because it is a peace through justification, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. You have to do nothing to get that peace but to believe. Mm-hmm. Only believe. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God that should have been ours. He made peace with God for us when we repent and trust in Him. He gives us that peace in our salvation. Now, although Luke two ten states, "I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all peoples." The peace promise is not to every person, but rather to those who God favors. Now, Luke 2.14 makes it clear who all those people are in verse 10. The King James say towards men, but the modern translations say sometimes like God is pleased are those who God favors. Now, your NIV or NSB... Uh, English King James, it probably says, God is pleased or his favor rests upon. And that's the implication. We only can please God by faith. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. So even though that verse say for all people, but it's all people who make a decision about Jesus Christ. People must make a decision about Christ. They must choose in regard to him. Therefore, I remind you, the primary peace that Jesus came to bring his first advent, peace between mankind and God. And that is what I am calling upward peace. If you have not received Jesus' peace, I encourage you to receive it now. And have that upward peace with God through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second relationship where God wants us to enjoy his peace is in our relationship with ourselves. And that's what I'm calling inward peace. Inward peace with ourselves or perhaps You might want to say inner peace. Now look with me again at Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. In that particular verse, I want you to notice the word Lord. And notice the angel announcing this baby is the Lord. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for until you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, as you perhaps may be aware, the Lord, for Jesus to be Lord of your life, means that he is the ruler, he is the sovereign one, he is the master of your whole life. He cannot be Lord or part of your life. He must be given control of your entire life, your whole life. He is more than the Messiah. He is more than the Savior. He is the Lord. Perhaps you heard it said, if you call him Lord, you cannot say no. And if you say no, you cannot call him Lord. So we no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to the Lord. I remind you of the words in 1 John chapter 5, and you don't have to go there. This is just kind of coming to bear. If you love me, obey me. Since we have been justified by faith, we have inward peace. The peace of God, peace with God, and the peace of God—that's that inward peace. Peace with God is justification. The peace of God is the inward peace, or the upward, inward peace, or inner peace. This peace is also a gift from God. It is given to us by God freely when we trust in Jesus by faith for our salvation. This peace of God produced in us a feeling of wellness. What does this saving event mean to me in terms of feeling and my emotion? It is a peace you live by no matter what your plight or your circumstances may be. In fact about it, the best way to look at this inward peace is through scripture. And look with me at Second Peter chapter one verse two. And listen to these words. May God give you more and more grace, which grace is favor, and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Peter is encouraging the believers to actually pursue this peace in a growing relationship with Father the God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this peace is a subjective peace. Another verse that really helps us to see this inward peace is Philippians chapter 6. I mean, to say chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And listen to these words. And as you know, Philippians six, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 is one of the most precious passages in regards to inner peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. So you really see where justification, everything is done for you. But as far as this inward peace is concerned, there is things that we must take upon ourselves and bear and do even though this particular peace is a gift from God as well. So you really see the inward peace that we receive from our salvation is the harmony and calmness of body, mind, and spirit, trusting in the power and the grace of God alone. So you really see Jesus' first advent, he came to bring upward peace, Peace with God, the ultimate inward peace, and the peace of God. And the third relationship where God wants us to enjoy his peace is our relationship with other people. And that is what I am calling outward peace with others. So once again, listen to the angel announcement in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And notice the word Christ in these verses as I read them. So in announcing of Jesus' birth, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. So we have seen several themes, several names for Jesus. And now we're looking at the title Christ, which indicates that Jesus is the one long-predicted, long-awaited, anointed son of David, the one anointed above all others. He is the final anointed king, the final anointed prophet, and the final anointed priest. He is prophet, priest, and king, and the one who fulfills all the Old Testament prophecy, the chosen Savior who came to rescue sinners. And this particular piece can best be illustrated from a scripture reading in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. So look with me at Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And the word reads as such, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Amen. And this is the peace with others, the outward peace. Another way to read this command is never let yourself be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another person. Now, the phrase, there there are two phrases in this particular scripture I want you to pay close attention to. The first phrase is this, if possible. And that means this command recognizes that conflict is sometimes unavoidable. Some people are just not interested in making peace with us. And also look at the phrase, so far as it depends on you. We are not to do wrong things or to towards other people. Also, we must be willing to admit our wrong, to apologize, to make things right, and to forgive. Now, in addition to receiving Jesus' upward peace, peace with God, and inner peace, peace with self receive his our peace peace with others that we may live peaceably in with brothers and sisters in Christ as well as non-believers now there's something I want you to see in verse 14 uh, Luke chapter 2 uh, verse 14 so these are my kind of closing remarks And this is something I think is very, very important. So please bear with me. Now, when we read the account of angels announcing Jesus' birth to the shepherd, we read that they praise God by proclaiming, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest. In the highest implies the heavens, and on earth, peace. And we also realize that this is not a universal peace being declared towards all humanity because man must make a choice in terms of receiving that particular peace. And it goes on to say goodwill towards men. And this goodwill towards men is God's peace is a gracious gift to those who are objects of his pleasure. Now, if you recall, when Jesus was on trial, they sent him before Pilate. And when he got before Pilate, Pilate asked him a question. And Pilate asked him, What is peace? You remember that? He said, Jesus, he said, what is peace? And he never gave Jesus an opportunity to answer that. He just walked away. But Pilate asked Jesus the wrong question. Instead of asking Jesus, what is peace... Pilate should ask Jesus, who is peace? Peace is not some definition. Peace is a person. Amen. And that's what I want to show you looking at Luke 2.14. The angel proclaimed peace. But not a condition of peace on earth, as some say. This verse does not say Luke 2:14. Luke 2:14 does not say, "And peace on earth," in the sense that there will be no turmoil, no strife or no wars. It says, "On earth, peace." Let me repeat this again. That verse does not say, and peace on earth. It it does not say that. It says, on earth peace. So when Jesus stood on earth, what was that? That's it. He brought peace to earth. He brought himself. See, that's why I was using that illustration of Pilate asking Jesus what is truth. He was looking for a definition for truth. But truth is a person. And just like Peace, there's no definition. Secular humanism can give you a definition for peace. But from a biblical point of view, peace is a person. So when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we are justified by faith, we're receiving a person for our justification, which is upward peace. And also, we are receiving... Jesus Christ as our inward peace and also we are receiving Jesus Christ as a person in order that we may have our peace with others. So I thought that was really kind of interesting to really point out that in that particular verse that this verse does not say in peace on earth in the sense that there will be no turmoil, no strife of wars, This, this verse says, on earth peace. And when Jesus was born, there was on earth peace. And this peace came in the form of a baby born in Bethlehem. Praise God this morning. So notice the angel also proclaimed that on earth there was goodwill towards men. And Jesus was that goodwill of God sent to seek and to save the lost. Amen. His entering into the world was the greatest expression of God, peace and goodwill towards us. Now, back to the question I posed to you. The question I posed earlier in this sermon, did Jesus come to Earth to bring peace? That answer can be answered with an unequivocal yes. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus himself. Amen. And the other question I asked, and it was a rhetorical in, nat- in nature, but I heard someone say, salvation but listen to this what one word description the gospel bring us when we repent and believe that's the question I ask you from the top there's little doubt that most of you have in your mind the word salvation and I agree that that is an appropriate one word description For we are saved from the wrath of God when we put our faith in Christ Jesus. But there's another answer to this question. And I hope that based upon this sermon, you really see another answer to that question. And that one word is peace. After all, The gospel is referred to as the gospel of what? Peace. So I convince you to change your mind. The gospel of peace. Now we do know that there will be universal peace on earth one day. And that would take place during the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. And I would go to the extent to say we all will be there to experience that universal peace. Because the church would be rapture, and Jesus' second advent, he would rule and reign there in Jerusalem. And the church of Jesus Christ will be with him. So that will be universal peace. One day. So with that said, I appreciate you listening to me this morning. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again by the work of your spirit. It is my ardent desire that you would open up our hearts and you will give us the gift of faith, to believe on Christ so that we might receive the promise of peace from the one who swears by his own blood that he would never leave us or forsake us. And who has told us, Lord, that in this world we would have tribulation, that in him we may have peace. And I ask this in Jesus' name, and all God people say, Amen.